Welcome to the Elijah Fire Podcast, where we jump into issues of today with faith and freedom instead of fear. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. Oh, hey, everybody. Welcome to Elijah Fire episode 209. Today is Tuesday, 4-4-2023. Very exciting episode planned. If you're listening on Spotify and you aren't following us yet, make sure to follow us. That'll really help us out. And of course, if you're listening on the Spotify app, you can rate us. Give us your honest review. Uh, if it's five stars, awesome. That's great. But if it's four, it's four. And if it's, there's only two rating options, okay? Fours or fives. <laughs> I'm kidding. You can be honest. Um, we really appreciate that, you guys. Um, uh, also, I wanted to point out, Monday kind of swung for the fences with a couple of his points yesterday. So it was a really great episode, really encouraging. Shared a lot of stories of his walk with God and, and God doing amazing things. Talked about a story of him raising someone from the dead. That was pretty wild. Uh, thwarting in the spirit, uh, someone who came to kill them while they were in Venezuela, uh, some, a member of the drug cartels. And he like laid his gun down and was like crying. And he was like, I came here to kill you guys, but I heard your testimony. And blah. so pretty wild stuff. Um, and I think, uh, you know, Monday and I were talking about it afterwards and we we're like, really feel like some people are going to be set free from that. So if you haven't checked it out, go check it out. Especially if, if you listen on the uh, podcast, wherever, um, you can listen to it now. So there you go. All right. Um, anytime you guys donate to elijahfire.com slash donate, all proceeds go towards keeping this at five days a week, but we also take a portion of every single donation and we funnel it into our amazing partnership with show mercy international we're digging digging a new freshwater well every five every three days i don't know where five came from every three days so we're gonna play a quick video and then we are gonna get going this is amazing can't imagine how people are happy because of your love and your generosity to provide the clean water people are dancing people are happy Elijah streams. This is a great blessing. These people have not had clean water over, over, over this whole place. But through your generosity, see the joy, see the dancing. I am commissioning this poor hall on behalf of Elijah streams. See the impact, see the, how people are happy, see how people are celebrating. Oh my, God bless you. And this village. It's a big village with a big population. I pray that as the Lord continues to provide, they will have another power hall because the population is very, very big. But you see the joy. Oh, my. God bless you and bless you indeed. All right. So my guest today, she is a, a lot of you guys know her. She's a friend of the show, I would say. She's a prophetic teacher, a very gifted prophetic teacher at that. She's also a children's minister, and she's also the author of Kitchen Table Kingdom. Let's give it up for my guest today, Harmony Klingenmeyer. Hey, look who it is. There we go. Hey, Jeff. Hi. So glad to be back with you today. It's always good to have you on the show. I think you're great. You know, I think you're such a gifted teacher and just a good friend, you know, so. Yeah, that's that's exactly how I feel about you. Mm. I just I love Elijah Fire. I love the work that you guys are doing. I love your heart for Papa God and the freedom of Elijah Fire. There's just so much freedom when I listen to your your speakers. You know, mm -hmm. there's a lot of um just fresh Holy Spirit freedom. Yeah, 
And I feel God's delight in that. I feel like mm-hmm. there's a lot of um, people who who can handle so much of Holy Spirit and then they sort of put a cap on him. And what would it be like, you know, if we just let the Holy Spirit drive the ship? Mm, yeah. What would that be like, Harmony? <laughs> right? <laughs> We're kind of going to talk about that today, aren't we? We are. We yeah, that are. was a great, that was a great uh, kind of little taster for people to kind of segue us in, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, my, um, I've been saying this a lot lately cause I've just realized this is one of the big things and other people have pointed it out on the show too, but this is one of the big things about this show is I just, um, you know, from feedback we've gotten and then also just stuff that guests have said themselves, but really it's kind of just a, yes, you can do these same things. Yes. You can grab a hold of, this early church model, like we're going to talk about, you know, yes, you can operate in signs, wonders, and miracles. It's not just unique to this specific individual. Yes, you can hear from God. Yes, you can discern spirits. Yes, you can prophesy, you know, and really pushing us into that fivefold model um, and um, operating in our giftings and not putting a lid on certain ones or or alienating certain giftings because they make us uncomfortable. Um, yeah, they're meant to edify the body, build the yeah. body up. Yes. And, um, and that's been a lot of the feedback we've gotten is people going like, I really feel like I'm, I really feel like I've grown in my walk and I've really begun to believe these things, you know, that, that you talk about, you know, and I'm like, yes, yeah. yay. So, yes. um, yeah. So Harmony, what are we going to talk about today? Well, we're going to talk about the ancient path. I think, uh, you know, the the sort of the title is the Barnabas model, leadership model, the Barnabas mm-hmm. leadership model. Um, but the Lord has really been talking to me about the kind of leader he is mm. and how God builds leaders. Mm. And there's actually a pattern we see in scripture that makes it really clear. And it happens over and over and over again, how God interacts with human beings. And it doesn't change from the beginning to the end. Mm. And that's what's so fascinating about um, some of the doctrines that have slipped into the church, because they basically believe there's this one specific theology. It's called dispensationalism. And I might be coming for some people's sacred cows today. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Most likely those pe- those types of people wouldn't listen to Elijah Fire, but we want them to, right. but they wouldn't because they reject the the um the today manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Um but dispensationalism is a theology, it's a theological system that says that history is split up into dispensations or ages. And in each of these ages, God revealed himself differently to human beings. Mm. And it really, um, even just that in and of itself, smacks at the continuity of Scripture. It does. Right? That God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that we can rely upon his nature and character not to be arbitrary Mm. or based on a specific age or time period. Well, and really quick, do you feel like that's also kind of related to like people that also say the old Testament God and the new Testament God. I've heard people say that and I'm like, guys, he's the same God. He's not like a different God. Cause it's, if you, if you carry that mentality and it could be a subconscious one, and maybe as you're talking about this, 
it's going to reveal some subconscious, maybe wrong thinking that we've had to God, wrong theology that we've had, because what that does when you think Old Testament God, New Testament God, is you view God differently and how he dealt with people when it's, it has been the same, is what you're saying. Yes, there is a consistency in the way that God reveals himself. And the, there is a consistency in the way that he interacts with human beings. Gotcha. From in, in fact, if you compare one of the first in uh, Genesis chapter 12, when God first interacts with Abram, and to one that happened thousands of years later, when God first interacted with Paul, you see striking similarities because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm. And he's faithful to reveal himself in a consistent manner. In fact, he is a God of patterns. He's a God of seasons. He's a God of um, even the, the seasons of the earth, winter, summer, spring, fall, all those yeah. wonderful seasons. And we can rely upon them. Why? Because God says we can. Actually, in Genesis, he told um, Noah and his sons that until the end of time, there would be seed, seed time and harvest, that there would be seasons. Why did he tell them that? Because he wanted them to be able to rely upon the faithfulness of his character and nature. Mm. And dispensationalism says that we know more about God than Isaiah did. And Isaiah know, knew more than David did. And David knew more than Adam. Now, if you really believe that Adam knew less about God than we do, the one who walked and talked with God in the cool of the evening. I would argue he maybe, I mean, if, if we're, <laughs> he might've known more, if anything, you know? He knew a different, um, a, a, he had a different understanding of God that wasn't tainted yeah. by the fall. Yeah. It wasn't tainted by thousands of years of, of the doctrines of demons and the doctrines of men. He saw God through innocence. And there is no better way to perceive the Father. Yeah. So, Harmony, would you say that maybe if we're looking at Adam, for example, because I believe Hebrews talks about the, you know, the Adam and then the new Adam, Jesus. I think is it Hebrews? Romans. It okay. Romans. Yeah. Uh, oh, Romans. Okay. Um, but um, it, if anything, Adam has a great has a greater revelation or had a greater revelation of how we're supposed to live right now because of what jesus did right would you say that that's that's actually maybe more accurate if you're looking at adam because he he had a revelation of before the fall after the fall and then obviously we can walk into that revelation of fall and then after the after the redemption, you get what I'm saying? Yes. I'm going to make sense. Okay. Yeah, totally. Okay. So Adam, we, we know from Romans chapter five, Adam is the first Adam and Jesus is the last Adam. Right. Jesus is a redo, which again reveals that God works in patterns, mm -hmm. that he works in seasons. And there are three major creations of scripture. So we see the original creation. We see the redemptive creation and we see the kingdom creation. And in each of these situations, we see the working of God, very faithful and the same. The Holy Spirit, Father spoke, the Holy Spirit came and hovered over and Christ was manifested. This is the cycle of creation. And you see this over and over and over again throughout scripture. This is how God interacted with his creation. He speaks 
his spirit comes and hovers over and Christ is manifested. So we see this again in the redemptive creation, which is Jesus himself. The angel Gabriel comes to, to Mary and he speaks the word of Father God. He says, you're about to become pregnant and the one you will give birth to is going to save his people from his sins. And Mary says, how's that possible? I'm not married. And he says, the Holy Spirit will come and hover over you. And he could have said, as in the days of Genesis, as in the first moments of creation, he will come and hover over you as Holy Spirit did over the chaos of an unformed world. And out of this, the word and the spirit in combination, Christ will be formed. And then what happens? Jesus, she says to him, she receives the word. She receives the seed. She says, let it be to me according to your word. Mm. And we know that nine months later, she gave birth to Jesus. Then again, in Acts chapter two, we see the exact same uh, pattern. We see that the father through Jesus says, wait in the upper room. Wait, don't go out yet. You're not ready. You're saved, but you're not ready. You're saved. Jesus is raised, but you're not ready to go out and preach the gospel yet. You know why? Because the third person of the Trinity is about to come and hover over you mm. and something new is about to be birthed out of you. And that is Christ. The ecclesia is about to be birthed, not because not only because Jesus was raised from the dead, let me put it that way, not only because he was raised from the dead, but also because the Holy Spirit will come hover over the work of Christ and something new will be birthed. Now, this is the pattern of creation. So, and why do I share this? Because dispensationalism teaches us that in every dispensation or age of time, God has revealed himself differently and has increased the knowledge of God on the earth. The dispensationalism says that throughout the history of man, the knowledge of God has incrementally increased. And with that knowledge has come a greater stewardship. But we actually don't see that revealed in scripture yeah. because at the end of the book of Malachi, they go into a season of complete silence, the 400 years. Sure. And there were moments throughout history where the writers of the scripture actually say the knowledge of God has completely waned from the earth at this time. Interesting. But God himself is faithful and has never changed. And because of that, he consistently reveals himself to human beings by releasing his word, his intimate word. And we see this with Abram. Abram didn't have a relationship with God. He wasn't some amazing, faithful, um, you know, uh, person of, 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 of religion, of faith. He was just... Sure. You know, he was a man who owned great flocks and he was married to Sarai and he was the great, 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 great descendant of the right son of Noah. That's who he was. Okay. And so God just decided, God decided to initiate intimacy, to initiate conversation. And he, he did it by releasing his word and his promise. And this, again, this is actually how we see God raise up leaders. He releases his word and his promise. 
and he empowers the one who receives the promise to walk in it. Through, through seasons of, you know, failures and mistakes, and yet the Holy Spirit is continually present in the life of the one who receives the promise and believes the promise in order to make the promise come to pass. And what's so fascinating about the difference between what God does to raise up leaders and what we do in the modern church to raise up leaders is the lack of empowerment. Hmm. God trusted the one who received his promise to walk in it. And he released his spirit upon the person who received the promise to make sure that he would be empowered to walk in it. And then God allows the person to walk in the promise. Hmm. There's freedom. There's freedom in the relationship. And of course, we see this with Jesus, his 12 male disciples and his handful of female disciples. We see how he empowered them to do impossible things. And he empowered them to do it before the death and resurrection, mm -hmm. which is fascinating to me because, well, they weren't saved technically. <laughs> right. Yeah. They weren't saved. And yet Jesus was not worried about empowering them. He was willing to give them the same authority that he carried in the earth. He was willing to lay his hands upon them and give them the power to heal the sick, to cast out devils, to raise the dead, to do incredible miracles, and to preach the kingdom of heaven has, is at hand. And we see this so powerfully in the Gospels, mm -hmm. that Jesus was not afraid even to empower Judas, the one who would betray him, to go into the nation and preach the kingdom of heaven. Now, if you compare that the, to the way that churches raise up leaders now, and the atmosphere and environment of punishment that exists in the body of Christ today. And the fact that there's so much pressure on young believers to perform. Oh, yeah. To have all their poop in a pile, right? Mm -hmm. And yet, and, and only when you've demonstrated a certain level of excellence and a certain level of performance, then perhaps you'll be empowered to do a small work. Comparing that to what Jesus did with his 12 disciples and those amazing women who went, went around preaching the mm -hmm. gospel as well. And if you compare it to, to the Acts 2 church, how everyone was a baby Christian, every single person that knew God at that time was a baby. They were infants in the spirit. They were not great theologians. Most of them were not. The, most of them were not of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Right. So they didn't, they didn't have a lot of scripture memorized. 
They probably weren't nicely dressed, perfectly manicured. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. We don't know what kind of language they use, the sailors right. and fishermen, right? Yeah. We, Maybe we a little abrasive, you know. Mm-hmm. That's it, you know. Mm-hmm. And yet Jesus found them worthy to carry the glory of God into the nations. Men without education, men without degrees. And this is where we need to recognize that dispensationalism has invaded the way that we do leadership in the church. Mm. Because dispensationalism says that, first of all, what you read in the Gospels isn't applicable today. Yes, that's dangerous, real dangerous. It is. They reject the teachings of Jesus. As in, you cannot directly apply them to your life. And they, they, they say that the epistles of Paul can be applied to our lives, but only the parts they agree with, because they completely reject the power of the Holy Spirit, which is all over the epistles of Paul. Mm-hmm. And it's the only way, this is what we need to understand about the Holy Spirit. He is the only way that we are ever going to manifest Christ in the earth. Yeah is through intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And unfortunately, the dispensationalist has replaced the Holy Spirit with the Bible. And I'm going to tell you right now, as much as I love scripture, I don't worship it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's an important, uh, let's explain that a little bit for people that maybe got a little little sparked as a result of, of what you said, because I do think it's a really important point to address. Um, Cause yeah. some people are like harmony. How can that be? What are you talking about? Well, the thing is, is people, um, the Bible is, um, is like, I actually right down here on my feet, I have a map. It's a roadmap. Um, it's an Atlas of the United States. I'm going to pull it right here. <laughs> okay. This is my husband's road map, the atlas that he he loves to look at it. He loves maps. My husband does. So this is his roadmap right here. And the thing is, is this is very handy if you don't have GPS. Um, GPS is much easier to use, obviously. This is fun for people who like to look at the states and look at different places mm-hmm. and look at the roads and so forth. This is not a vacation to the states you look at inside this book. You can stare at these pages all day long and never go anywhere. Okay. This is an important book. This is a helpful book. This is, this book can be powerful. So so you you don't lose your way, you know? So you don't lose your way, but it is not the end destination. If you don't get in your car, we're never going to make it to Minnesota. Okay. (laughs) So unless we get in our vehicle. Yeah. And get on the road, we're never going to make it there. And you know what? The journey is beautiful, but the hope and and the the glory is the end destination. Hmm. The Bible is a roadmap to the face of God. If you never make it to the face of God, you have missed the point of scripture. Yeah. There we go. It's like, it's the difference between... Reading the autobiography of a president 
and being invited to the White House for lunch. You can read about a president all day long. You can know all the pertinent facts. You can be well-versed on maybe their favorite food and their favorite color and all the things they did for the nation. But unless you're invited to their house for lunch, you don't really know them. You know about them, mm. but you are not intimately acquainted with them. And it doesn't matter how many facts you know about that person. The same is true of scripture. The scripture is an invitation to the table of the Lord. And you can spend your whole day reading the invitation and never make it to dinner. Mm. And I'm, I am worried, concerned, I would say. I am concerned that the church is spending all of its time reading the invitation and never sitting down at the table of the Lord. Wow. Yeah. Dispensationalism destroys the power of the word to transport us into the presence of a living God. Dispensationalism mutes the power. It mutes the, the, the voice of the word that's meant to transport us and transform us. Dispensationalism says that doesn't really apply to you. That was for other people in other times, but it is not for you. That is what dispensationalism teaches. And it is dangerous. And dare I say it is not, it's not right doctrine. So it's heresy. Okay. I'm just going to like say it out of the corner of my mouth. Right? I agree. Yeah. It's false doctrine. Yeah. And is it a hill I'm willing to die on? Is it a, is it a salvation issue? No, it's not a salvation issue. You can believe in dispensationalism, miss all the fun of the spirit and still go to heaven. But that isn't our goal. My goal is not heaven. My goal is the establishment of the kingdom yeah. upon this earth. My goal is to walk in intimate relationship with God, like Adam and Eve did before the fall, to be face to face with the living God all the days of my life. That is my goal. And to bring other people with me. And dispensationalism will keep you from that reality. And dispensationalism is like coming to the scripture and with a handicap. It's like saying, okay, um, only these specific, it's like, you know, you know, the C C CIA, they take a black marker and they uh -huh, redact, the they do the old redacted thing. The redaction. I'm like just going after dispensationalism. Hey, right let's now. do it. I'm, yeah, gonna, let's go. We're just going for it. Yeah. Dispensationalism takes a black marker to the scripture and says, nope, that doesn't apply to you. Nope, that doesn't apply to you. Nope, 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 nope. And that's, I'm just not going to live that way. No. No way. I, I wouldn't want to serve that God. See, uh, when I read the Bible, I see a God I want to serve. Yeah. When I read the Bible, I encounter a God of empowerment. When I read the Bible, I see a God who poured out his spirit, not on the perfect, but the willing. Who gave platform, not to the perfect, but the willing. Those who were humble enough to submit to him. Those who were humble enough to die to self. I mean, and literally die a lot of times.
He wasn't looking for the smartest person in the room. And this is something my mom used to say to me that drove me crazy, but it's so true. You do not always need to be the smartest person in the room. That's what she used to say to me when I was young. Now I see the value of that mm. because Papa, he doesn't use the smartest person in the room. No, no, he doesn't. Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't use smart people. He definitely does. He used Paul, right? Mm -hmm. He used someone who was a, uh, an Israelite, who was of the house of Benjamin, a, a God-fearing man who had uh, whole books of the Bible memorized. Yes, he does use those types of people, but those are not the only people he uses. He'll literally use anyone willing to yield to him. So he'll use a donkey, for example. Right. Oh, mm -hmm. of, of course, the dispensationalist would say that story from the book of Numbers doesn't apply to you. It has no prophetic purpose. I disagree. I look at the Old Testament and from its pages arise the prophetic voice of God, which is being continually uttered over his people. Now, does it need to align with what the New Testament reveals about God? Absolutely. That's what we call continuity of scripture. So I'm not going to take one book from the book, uh, one uh, verse from the book of Leviticus out of its context and apply it directly to my life. No, I'm not going to do that. Why? Because I want continuity. I want the message from the beginning to the end to agree and to flow and to, it is what God reveals about himself, right? Mm -hmm. There are things about God in the first chapter of the Bible that you can also find in the last chapter of the Bible. Mm -hmm. I'm looking for that. So for example, when I, when we read the book of Hosea, this is a great example. Oftentimes we read the book of Hosea and we're like, oh man, this is about when my heart falls away from the Lord. This, this book about this prostitute, he was married to a prostitute and she was unfaithful to him and she had, he had to go back and get her out of prostitution again. And chapter two, God, God, therefore I will allure her into the wilderness and I will teach her to call me husband instead of master. And we look at that and we go, oh, that speaks right to my heart. In my seasons of unfaithfulness, God has pursued me and been faithful to me. Well, guess what? That is what the New Testament reveals as well, where it says, when we are faithless, he remains faithful mm -hmm. because God cannot. Uh, yeah, that's God a good example. Yes. And there's more. In fact, the book of Hosea is quoted in the New Testament. Meaning the writers of the New Testament actually expected us to find ourselves in the scriptures of the Old Testament. When they, you know, all the times Paul quotes the Old Testament. Tons. Tons. <laughs> For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? I mean, literally, he, to be honest... Paul was like your quintessential take things out of context sort of person. <laughs> he literally would take one tiny little sentence from the Old Testament and say, Boop, that applies to us right now. And let me show you why, right? So he was not afraid to find truth in the Old Covenant writings as long as they align with who Christ is, right? Mm -hmm. No, we're not going to take it out of its larger context we're going to understand it within its context 
but we're also not going to ignore it because every single page, Christ can be found in every single page. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, you know, I wanted to dismantle any fear that you may have anyone who's listening to this about reading the Old Testament or understanding the Old Testament. Maybe you read those stories about how God, you know, executed the Amalekites in 1 Samuel or something like that. And you're like, this is so challenging. I don't even know if this is the same God. I want you to understand. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if you will seek him through scripture, And through intimate conversation, through prayer, he will reveal himself. And he'll even explain those difficult passages to you. Yeah. He'll explain how the righteous requirement of the law required that there be punishment for sin. He will explain to you how the Amalekites sacrificed their children and their temples were full of child rape. He will explain to you why he chose to execute that nation, right? So the the thing is from our our standpoint of this kind of tolerant culture we live in, we do not understand the holiness of God. But if you will allow God to reveal himself to you, he'll show you both his holiness and his mercy. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, to add to that, Jonah, when he goes to the Ninevites, look up what the Ninevites were known for, guys. It was bad. But the fact that Jonah gives a, a prophetic word to them, they respond to the prophetic word with faith, and yes. they repent. They're like, whoa, we got we to gotta get our act together. Like, We don't want to get wiped out. Come on. So it even says God's that right there, you guys. If if because there are a lot of there's a lot of that going on online right now. People going, oh, look at this first. See, God isn't God isn't good. See, I told you, and it's taken way out of context. And I'm like, yes, okay, we could sit down and I could talk to you about it. But I think it's important to know, like, like Robin Bullock says, God is absolutely good. Okay, so that statement is actually the truth that approach to scripture and how we read scripture in the old Testament, it's easier for a lot of people in the new Testament because they see Jesus and they see all these, you know, uh, him dying for our sins and all these things. But when you go into the old Testament, you're talking about God wiping out people groups. You're like, Whoa, 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 this is kind of intense. Um, and so going in with the approach of, okay, God, God, God is not, God is not changed, but like, like the tossing of waves, right? He is consistent. He stays the same. If God is love and he is absolutely good, then that should be the lens in which we look at scripture, which is what he's talking about. Exactly. Yes. We need to look at how God has revealed himself. We actually did not come on here to talk about this today, but this is really important. God chooses how he reveals himself. That must be understood. When we come to scripture, it's not about our preconceived notions. It's about allowing God to strip them away, to strip away every doctrine of man, every idea that we have built up a lot of times because of our experiences with human beings, experiences with fathers who failed us. So God is wearing the masks of our trauma. 
And we come to scripture or God is wearing the masks of doctrine that have been put upon us by men. And we come to scripture and now we read it not through the lens of his revealed nature and character, but through the lens of our woundedness and the lens of religion, which is exactly what the enemy wants, because he wants to pervert and twist the image of God within us by twisting our perception of who he is. Because we will always reflect what we believe about God. Yeah. So we must come to him, open our hearts to him and say, Papa, I want to know you not through the, through the lenses that men have given to me, not through the lenses that trauma has given to me, but through the lens of your spirit and your word. Hmm. I want to be restored in my thinking so that I can perceive you accurately. And when I perceive you accurately, I will understand who I am. Yeah. How do we become like Jesus? First John three has a very powerful um, set of verses and I'm just going to read it real quick here. Okay. So that we can understand what is necessary in order to be like Christ. It's pretty simple. <laughs> See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Now, it doesn't know us. And sometimes, friends, we don't know us. We don't know us. Why? Because we do not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we will be like him. Why? Because we will see him as he is hmm. not according to our perceptions, not according to our doctrines, not according to our filters, not according to our trauma, not according to our theology, not according to our fear, but as he is, we will see him as he is. And when we do, something amazing is going to happen in us. And what is that thing? We will be like him. Now, I don't know about you, but I do not want to wait until I'm dead to have this experience. So what and you're saying, you Harmony, is that you can have this experience now? Yes. Yes, I absolutely believe this. I believe the longer we sit in the presence of the Lord, the longer we meditate upon his face, the more we become like he is. Mm, absolutely. Now, we're going to walk through this process for the rest of our lives, which is okay, right? There, there, it's okay that we're still in process. And will there be a finishing point or a, a greater revelation when the, the mortal coil of this world is rolled back and we're in the, in, 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 a, in the even greater way in the presence of the living God? Absolutely, I do believe that. But we can begin the process now. And we can go layer by layer. We can let Papa go deep in us and remove the doctrines, the theology, 
the trauma and the experiences that hinder us from seeing him for who he really is. Help Elijah Fire continue to make an impact around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. Visit ElijahFire.com slash give and become a partner today. And you know what, friends? This has everything to do with what I actually came here to talk about today because it will impact the way you love others. It will impact, first and foremost, the way you see yourself. And second of all, it will impact how you see other people. And this is what God actually wants us to do. He desires that we would run about, run around making little Christs. Little Christ. That's what the word Christian means. C.S. Lewis said, that this word Christian is a replication or reproducing of Christ on the earth. God is not um, worried or um, unwilling to share his nature and character. He wants us to go and replicate him in the earth, reproduce him in the earth. How? By showing other people the face of Jesus. And we can only show them Jesus if we're looking at him ourselves. Yeah, come on. So this means you can't go to the scripture with a didactic marker. You can't be marking out all the stuff that offends you. You can't be marking out all the scriptures that are too powerful for you. You can't be marking out all the healings and the miracles and the raising of the dead and the casting out demons. And I'm sorry, friends, this thing about casting out demons, it really offends the modern mind. Yeah. It offends our addiction to prescription drugs. Hello. <laughs> it does. It offends our, our addiction to modern conveniences. If we recognize that depression is tied to a demonic spirit, and that's why you have the chemical imbalances in the brain, which are real. The chemical imbalances in the brain are absolutely real. Mm-hmm. But there is a God who heals them. And the first step is to recognize that there is a spirit who is tormenting you. Well, this is biblical norm, but we don't live a biblical norm. This is normal Christianity. This is Christianity Mm one-on-one. I mean, the first things they did were cast out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and preach the kingdom of God and baptize Every single one who came into the kingdom. I mean, think about this. There was no baptismal class. How were people getting baptized unless they went through a six-week course on what baptism meant? (laughs) This is dispensation. Can you imagine? Yeah. Oh, man. They didn't have time for that. They needed to send out those people to preach the gospel and raise the dead. They, they didn't think to themselves, oh, we need to sit them down and make sure their theology is correct before we allow them to go out and preach the gospel. There were only two things that were necessary to be a leader. And this is, this is the entire point of, of what God is saying here today. There were two things that were necessary to be, or th- well, three things. Salvation, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, and rootedness in God's community. And that is it. That's pretty simple, friends. It's not complicated. And if you were saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and you were rooted in kingdom community, 
you were not, it was not a privilege. You were expected. It was just what everybody did. Everybody was preaching the gospel and selling their belongings and taking care of the poor, cleaning tables and raising the dead. It wasn't an elite group and the goal was not a placard on a door that said pastor behind it. Come on. That was not God's intent. He never intended to raise up people who wanted offices. And when I say offices, I mean like rooms with doors and names on the doors. Okay. That was not God's goal. That's right. God's goal was to raise up a, a great host, an army of the empowered an army of sons and daughters. I, I mean, I literally see little toddlers skipping down the road. Do you know about Jesus? Let me pray for you. Let me lay my hands on you. Oh, you're healed. Like they literally were children in the spirit. Mm -hmm. They were just out of the birthing canal. I mean, they literally were just born and they were ready to preach the gospel. They were ready to travel and do the work of the ministry. Nobody, nobody required that they would have a, you know, like I said, would have a title or have a, 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 um, a degree. And I don't have any problem with studying. I think studying is powerful. I think studying will lead you to the truth that let, will lead you to freedom. Yeah. Okay. So I believe in studying the scripture, but if that's all you ever do and you never make it to the works of the kingdom, you've missed the point. It's the same thing with prayer. If we spend all of our time in prayer and we never preach the gospel in the supermarket, we have missed the point. We are called to do both, not one or the other. We're called to pray and we're called to preach. We're called to study, to show ourselves approved, a workman that need not be ashamed. And we're also called to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. There's a lot to do while you're in your maturing process. So don't put yourself on a shelf. So good. Don't disqualify yourself because you're yeah. a baby. Maybe I'm speaking to some babies right now. Maybe you were like, I didn't think I was qualified or that I knew enough. Come on, sis, brother, like it's time to get off the shelf. Seriously. All it really takes is this. Do you know how much Papa God loves you? Do you know how much Jesus loves you? He loves you. Oh, do you have pain in your body? Can I pray for you? Your pain is gone. Would you like to give your heart to Jesus? That's how simple it is. Yeah. It is not meant to be complicated. We have complicated it with the doctrines of men. And God wants us to return to the ancient path. Come on. You know, I was listening to a testimony from Robbie Dawkins, actually, uh, and he was talking about He's talking to this atheist guy and he was, he's like, this guy was really intelligent and he was running circles around me in terms of just like arguments. And he said, look, he said, I'm about to pray for you and you can look at it however you want as energy transference or this or that, or your imagination. He said, but one thing is a guarantee you are about to feel God. And regardless of whatever you call about that, you're going to have to work very hard to call yourself an atheist after I'm done. And then he said his last night there, he was at some event. The guy sees Robbie and he goes, you're right. I'm having to work real hard. <laughs> so, so again, 
everything that Harmony's been talking about, you guys, is exactly what you know. I kind of opened the show with, and what I've been talking about a lot lately is yes, you can because God made a way. So, you know, it's like oh, you know, God's giving you a, you know, I don't, I can't think of a good analogy right now, but <laughs> but God is giving us a great opportunity, and it's there, and it's not, you know, it's like. It, all we have to do is just like recognize that yes, we have everything we need, and that's that's Jesus, you know, and step out in faith and not be like, well, I don't know what if this person says this, and I need to watch all these things, and and because I need to have an answer every single time someone gives a counter argument, there's actually a lot of freedom in saying, you know, I don't know, you know, and uh, and not acting like I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of freedom in that. People are like, wow, I'm so I'm you have my respect for saying, I don't know. Cause that Christian doesn't normally say that, yep. you know? Yep. So. Yeah. I have a great example of this. So I have a, a friend, one of my um, oldest friends, actually, he and I have been friends since high school and he is uh, lives an openly homosexual lifestyle mm -hmm. and he is an atheist. He's, I like to say he's pre-saved. He's on his way to know Jesus, but he doesn't think he is. But I think he is. And, and my goal is to love him so well and to demonstrate the heart of God so well to him that he's drawn. And, and that is true. He chooses relationship with me, even though everything I believe offends him. Hmm. Even though everything I say, he disagrees with. One thing he doesn't disagree with is the fact, and this, these are his words, that I ooze love. Mm -hmm. That I, And I'm a person of doctrine. I mean, uh, he knows where I stand on homosexuality. Yeah. He knows where I stand on, on, you know, these issues, the issues of purity, the issues of sex before marriage. He knows, he knows where I stand. But he has encountered the love of God so intensely through me. He's not, he's, he's not running away even from the doctrine that disagrees with his lifestyle. <laughs> so he, he'll come to me all, he comes to me with very good questions and I'm a Bible scholar, but he's made it his life's goal to derail the validity of scripture. So he says things to me. He just the other day texted me and said, did you know it was after I, I made that post? Some of you may have seen about um, Monday. It was yesterday, um, the the Monday of Holy Week and how Jesus cursed the fig tree and overturned the tables in the temple. And he said, did you know that um, historians have measured the the um, portico of the second second Herod, Herod, the second temple. And um, historically speaking, it's not large enough, blah, 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 for him to overturn tables there. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Smiley face. Like, huh, that's interesting. You got me. I can't, I guess I can't believe in it anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, right. Exactly. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I said, you know, some of these things, and he said, you, don't you think it's a little irrational for Jesus to curse the fig tree? Like, it was just doing what it was supposed to do naturally in its, in its, um, in its seasons. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's one point of view. You know, that's one. He's like, this scripture makes Jesus look really irrational. And I was like, oh, I can understand where you're coming from there. I can, I can understand where he's coming from. And I just said, you know, some of these things you have to take on faith. They, they don't, um, they may not make sense to your rational brain. 
because the wisdom of God is foolishness to this world. Mm -hmm. He said, I'm sure he said something like, I'm sure it was a parable meant to teach in the first and second century. The writers wrote it down that way, blah, 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 as if it didn't actually happen. Right. But that the writers wrote it on purpose that way in order to teach a specific lesson. And I just sent him heart. I sent him a heart. I mean, he knows where I stand on it. Right. But the point is, my goal is not to have a, a, a rational argument with him. I'm never going to win. And I am the smartest person I know. <laughs> I, I don't say that with arrogance. I'm, 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 yeah. I'm, you know, IQ wise and I'm an intelligent person and yeah. well-read. Okay. And well-educated. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's, but he has made it his goal to undermine and to derail the validity of scripture. And there's nothing I can say. So instead I don't say anything. Yeah. I just love him. I don't feel the need to argue with him because it's not my argument that's going to win his heart. Mm. And friends, this is what you guys need to understand about preaching the gospel. It's not about the you know whether or not the words are eloquent, right? Uh, I'm pretty sure uh, somebody in scripture said, I did not come to you with eloquence of speech, but in demonstration of power. I'm pretty sure that was Paul. Um, the point is, he was probably the most eloquent person you could come up against. Paul was very eloquent. And even he said, it's more important that I demonstrate the power of God than I have fancy words. So you do not need. You do not need knowledge you know you need some you need the knowledge of god which is intimacy the word knowledge in both the greek and the hebrew means face-to-face -face intimacy it mm. doesn't mean how much you know does that make sense friends yeah. like we need to understand that the knowledge of god means to be face-to-face -face intimate with god it does not mean how many verses you have memorized or how much how much of the hebrew and the greek you understand that's not what matters to god he wants you to have knowledge of him in the intimate place. And you can study to show yourself approved as well. You can do both. You can dive deeply into scripture. You can learn more. That Don't let that be an excuse. Hmm. The world needs you. Yeah. I need, I, we need you. We need every single one of us to get off of our rear ends and to go out and do the work of the kingdom. And Jesus gives you his yes. And I do. And Jeff does. If you're waiting for a, a leader, an apostle, a prophet, a pastor, a teacher, an evangelist, somebody to come pat you on the shoulder and say, you're mature enough. You're smart enough. You're equipped enough. You know enough. You've walked enough. You've demonstrated your character enough. You have enough integrity. Go out and do the work of the ministry. Guess what? We're saying that to you right now. God wants to use you today. Please don't wait. Mm, so good. Harmony, you know what's going to happen to your friend? He, yes. that disdain towards scripture or that frustration towards scripture is actually going to turn towards hunger. Yes. That's what's going to happen. And as a matter of fact, he is going to become a Bible scholar. So in well, Jesus name. Yes, we prophesy it. Just like who was the man who wrote the case for Christ? 
Uh, Lee Strobel. That's it. Lee Strobel. He is exactly like, I mean, it's very similar, except for obviously 40 or 50 years difference in, in, uh, in life experiences and, and levels of trauma and all those things. But I see him as a Paul. And at any moment, he could just have his Damascus Road experience and fall off the donkey and, and give his life to Jesus. Oh, yeah. So I, I totally agree. And we prophesy his salvation in mm-hmm. Jesus' name. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Harmony. I don't know if there's – is there anything else you want to hit on before we uh, – I, I want to give you a little bit, you know, if, you, if you've got a little extra something to share, then by all means. Well, um, we don't have time for Barnabas today because Barnabas needs his ho- own episode. Yeah. <laughs> Barnabas is my person. I love Barnabas. <laughs> but he was the kind of leader who saw what God saw in other people called it out of them. And it was because he understood his sonship. He understood his position in Christ. And he took, you know, if it wasn't for Barnabas, we wouldn't have Paul. If it wasn't for Barnabas, we wouldn't have three quarters of the New Testament people. Like Barnabas is the reason. Barnabas was the spiritual father that Paul needed. But he walked this ancient path of empowerment. He knew how to see, not where Paul was at in the now, but where he was called to be and what he was called to birth. And he called out the greatness inside of Paul. And this is the kind of leader that you and I, we want to be, and also that we hunger for. Some of, some of us have had incredible leaders. Pastor Craig was an incredible leader, is an incredible leader in my life. He has believed in me. He actually just sent me a letter of recommendation um, for some new ministry opportunities. And it's like incredible what he has to say about me. He's a leader who fought for me. The reason is, is because he's not looking at me through the lens of dispensationalism. He's not expecting me to always have all my poop in a pile. He sees the gold in me and he operates in this principle of empowerment. And I know you've experienced the same kind of leadership, Jeff. We all have. However, we've also experienced the other kind of leadership, Mm -hmm. the leadership that silences us the leadership that is doesn't know who they are. So they spend all their time fighting for their own rights and their own platform and their own opportunities. And they're not willing to give a son or a daughter the opportunity that they should have. We we've all experienced broken, painful leadership. Mm -hmm. And I want to pray for you today, friends. I want to pray for any one of you who has experienced the impact of dispensationalism. Maybe you are a woman in a man's world and you've experienced dispensationalism at its its finest because it has the audacity to take one verse out of 1 Timothy and apply it to every single woman alive, but not willing in the same breath to take verses from uh, the book of Romans and the book of Philippians and apply it to women. Right. So this is an example of dispensationalism 
it's saying that we we we're um didacting the scripture we're writing out all the female leaders and we're only going to put a spotlight on this one scripture that helps us maintain power and this is exactly what the pharisees and sadducees did they interpreted scripture in a way not to draw all mankind to god but to sustain their power like what you're hearing Help us continue to make Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. To get behind this ministry, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. Now, back to the show. And this we have experienced. Anybody else experience this with leadership? Like, oh, we're doing this for your own good. No, you're doing this to maintain your power over me. And I bless you and honor you. And I'm going to go do what Papa God told me to do. I'm going to go obey the the voice of the living God. And this doesn't in any way negate or, or cause us to reject godly counsel. Godly counsel is very powerful and biblical. What I am talking about is when you are, your, your voice is silenced. Someone has come and disqualified you. Someone has come and said, no, you don't need to share your testimony. You don't need to, to mentor that teen who's suicidal. What, what right do you have to teach anybody anything? Mm. Friends, yeah. each and every one of us has a work of ministry God has called us to. Yeah. Even when we are babies. And yeah. God is, wants us to be rooted and grounded in the right community that will believe in us, that will encourage us that will see the gold in us like Barnabas did in Paul. And, and I want to pray f- for your hearts. If you've been wounded, if you've been rejected, if you've been silenced, maybe you're a lion or a lioness like me and you've been told to stop roaring. That has actually happened to me. <laughs> maybe, you're, maybe you're a passionate prayer has intimidated people. Maybe you need a mother or father to speak blessing over you and tell you that we believe in you. And we're here to do that for you today. Hmm. We're here to be a Barnabas in your life, to be like Jesus, to say, hey, I even gave Judas my authority. You do not have to have it all together. You do not have to have all the answers. You do not have to have the picture perfect marriage. We want you to have strong and healthy marriages. Absolutely. We want your children to be healthy and strong. Absolutely. But if you're still in the process, that's okay. None of us have arrived. We want you to be free to preach the gospel. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah. Really quick. Uh, I'm reminded of a story very similar uh, to uh, what you're talking about, about people wanting to keep control so that they maintain their power. And someone this actually happened to, and he's very open about this, is Steve Schultz. When he was starting the Elijah List, he was serving at a church. He started the Elijah List. They found out about it and they said, you cannot do that. We forbid it. And he said to them, I have to be about my father's business. And he left. And if he had not done that, if he had not followed God, knowing it was right, I wouldn't be here. Illumination wouldn't be here. Elijah's dreams wouldn't be here. Elijah fire wouldn't be here. All of that. So take that into consideration that some of you might be at this pivotal moment 
yeah. where you want to honor your leaders, you want to do that, but then it's conflicting with something that God has called you to do. And you're actually put into a position where you're starting to doubt if that was even God. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, go for it, Harmony. Yeah. Uh, friends, one thing that the Lord said to me, he said, you know, daughter, um, nothing you do that honors my voice could ever dishonor a leader. If you're obeying me, you will instinctively bring honor to your spiritual leaders. So it's not something like, okay, if I if I go out and obey the Lord, that's going to hurt my church. No. Obeying the Lord will bring honor to, it's like, it's like in my hometown or well, Rose, the town I live in, Roseburg is, um, it, it needs unity. It needs greater unity. So I have been meeting with other children's ministers from Douglas County, Oregon, and that is not an assignment that the church has given me. They're not against it, but they, um, th- th- you know, they're neither for nor against, right? They're just like, okay. Okay, there there goes Harmony being apostolic and she's doing her thing and mm-hmm. you know. And there isn't a lot, there isn't like a yes, you know, go Harmony go. Um about a lot of things that I do. And yet I know because I'm out in the community how much honor that brings to my pastors. I know that my influence is bringing honor to even to Garden Valley Church, my church home. It's changing the perception of my church home because we're we're charismatic and we love the Holy Spirit. And there's a lot of churches that reject us because of that. But there's this person named Harmony who's running about loving people, pastoring and leading and pouring out wherever she goes. And we love her. And she's from Garden Valley Church. Now, what do we do? I think we might have to change our opinion. I think we might have to open our hearts. I think we might have to walk in unity because of this girl named Harmony who won't stop loving us, who won't stop choosing unity. I think we have to choose it as well. And by doing this, I am changing the perception of who we are in our community. Now, again, nobody is asking me to do this. This is just something that the Lord told me to do. So I have been doing it. And whether anybody cheers me on, whether anybody champions me, whether anybody gets behind me, I know Papa God told me to. Hmm. And I'm just going to keep obeying until it's my season to be done. And I call you to do the same. This is not about running away from church. We want you to be rooted and grounded in the local church. We want you to have your roots roots go deep because I'm going to tell you that's why I am who I am today. I am who I am today because of spiritual leaders who believed in me. And same for Jeff. We are who we are today because of spiritual leaders like Pastor Craig and Steve Schultz who saw greatness inside of us. And we want this for you too. We just don't want your desire for approval to hinder you from going out and doing the work of the ministry, Mm -hmm. friends. Do not allow your desperation to be seen and known by a human leader to stop you from preaching the gospel. Or I promise you, no one is ever going to meet that need for you the way you really want it to be met. You are meant, God is meant to be the one. 
who fathers you in the spirit, who speaks over you words of life. You're called to be rooted and grounded first and foremost in his opinions of you, his word for you. And if you are, then you'll be able to rightly discern where you should put down roots, what spiritual leadership God has called you to, and what works of the kingdom God has called you to do. You will have confidence whether or not another human being ever validates you in your calling. And I will say, and leaders do say this often, and we see it in scripture as well, God will bring the right people to validate you. Mm -hmm. God will bring the right voices to, to affirm and confirm the call of God on your life. There are certain things, certain callings on my life that have not been confirmed by my local church, but they have been confirmed by the national church. And whether or not my local church ever confirms those things, I am perfectly okay with that. I am confident in who God called me to be. And I was long before those national voices came to tell me I was those things. The truth is I was walking in them already because I was listening to Papa. Mm, yep. And this is what we want for you. Mm -hmm. So I, I would love to pray. Yeah. Uh, so let's pray together. Papa God, right now, I just, I lift up every single person who is listening to this, this live, who has experienced church hurt, who have experienced the rejection of spiritual leaders. Father, I just see a, a vat of oil being poured out right now on people's hearts. And this is for those of you who will listen to the replay as well. Friends, Papa God is coming with his voice right now to prophesy over you. I am proud of you. I chose you. I set you apart from your mother's womb. You are a treasure to me. You are valuable to me. And I need you to stand up. I want to use you, says the Lord, like I used Ezekiel. Ezekiel was taken to the valley of dry bones, and I could have raised those dry bones in a heartbeat. But instead of doing that, I empowered my son. I empowered Ezekiel to prophesy to the dry bones. And I even gave Ezekiel the authority to command and prophesy to my spirit. That the wind of God would blow upon those dead bodies and cause them to come alive. I love to empower my children. And right now I am coming. My spirit is coming to you to affirm and confirm you in the call of God upon your life. Now stand up, says the Lord. Stand up, says the Lord. And begin to operate in what you know to be true. Not because another person has said that it is true, but because I am telling you. I see somebody who's called specifically, I keep hearing over and over again, evangelism, evangelism, evangelism. And, and I hear the Lord saying, I called you to evangelism a long time ago. 
and there have been words that have come against you. I see kind of like the opposite of prophecy, false words that have been released against the call of God in your life. And right now I break every lie that has come against your evangelism call in the name of Jesus. I declare right now over you freedom to evangelize, freedom to win souls. And right now I release to you uh, the prophetic anointing that is on my life because Papa has taught me the easiest and the most loving way to win souls is to prophesy what God says about a person. It draws their hearts. So right now I release to you prophetic evangelism. I release to you the ability to see people not according to their flesh, not according to their brokenness, not according to how the world sees them or even how the church sees them, but that you would see them according to the spirit. And I released you such great encounters with Jesus right now in the spirit realm. I see Jesus walking amongst those of you who are listening. Some of you are encountering the person of Jesus right now in your homes, at your kitchen tables, on, you know, listening in the car. Um, I see someone on their couch right now. And I hear the Lord saying, I am encountering you face to face so that you can go out and show people what I look like. Because the only way we are going to look like Jesus is by seeing him. And the only way that others are going to be drawn to his face is if they see him in us. So right now I release to you encounter, 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 right now with the person of Jesus, with the man whose eyes are like fire, whose hair is like wool, who walks amongst the lampstands the one who is the great I am, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the one who rides out on a white horse, who has a name on his thigh, king of kings and lord of lords, who is called the word of God. I release to you encounter to see his face so that you can show others and that you can feel powerful. I release to you spiritual empowerment and a mother's blessing right now. I release the blessing of the prophet over you in the name of Jesus. I declare you are blessed and called. You have been raised up for such a time as this, says the Lord. I have set you apart. Even some of you have experienced, I see someone who's experienced deep trauma. And Papa is saying, I didn't cause that trauma to happen, but I'm about to use it. I'm about to use that trauma to break trauma in the lives of other people. I'm about to, to take back what the enemy stole from you. And you are going to begin to use the trauma like a sword thrust into the heart of darkness. You are going to wield what has been done to you to break trauma off this generation. So right now, I bless you with the prophet's blessing. I bless you with truth. I bless you with encounter. I bless you with understanding of the scripture, a hunger for the word of God, and, and an increased intimate knowledge of who he is. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Whoo! Yeah. All right, Harmony. Um how can people follow you? Give them all the good, all the okay. details. Okay, friends. So before I tell you everything, I have to tell you that Kitchen Table Kingdom starts tonight. Woo. So twofold. 
If you are not signed up for Kitchen Table Kingdom and you want to have a massive impact on the next generation, whether you're a parent, grandparent, pastor, coach, teacher, mentor, an auntie or an uncle who wants to pour into their um, nephews and nieces, this class is for you. This class offers so much healing and restoration for marriages and families, and I want to invite you. And you can go to my website, heartheirvoices.net, click on, um, I think it's training and coaching, and that's where you'll find my class. And so it, I think it's just God's timing that the start of the class and my Elijah Fire interview happened on the same day. Yeah. It, I think that's totally God. So I want to invite anyone who wants to change the trajectory of their family, of their mm. generational lines to join my class. Yeah. You can also purchase my books on my website, which is on the screen. Or in the description as yes. well. Yes. yes. Let me just double check and make sure it's there. It's, there it <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah. Stuff we talked about. Yes. Links right in there. And you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and there's on my YouTube channel too. There's lots of teachings and good stuff on my YouTube channel. So go on over there and look up Harmony M. Klingenmeyer. Mm, awesome. Harmony, thank you so much. Always love when you come on the show. Such rich teaching. So good. Thank you, Jeff. It's such an honor to partner with Elijah Fire. You guys are my family. Oh, oh. So everybody have a blessed Tuesday. Today is when tomorrow is Wednesday. That's what I meant to say. Tomorrow is Wednesday. We've got a new voice. Uh, her name is Marty Meyer. I believe it's Meyer. But yeah, it's going to be a great show. I'm really looking forward to it. So that's at 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Also, ElijahFire.com slash donate is how you donate. All proceeds go towards keeping this afloat at five days a week and accessible and so that you can get it on Apple and Google and Spotify and YouTube and Rumble and all of those. So we thank you so much for those donations, you guys. You guys rock. We love you guys. And we'll see you tomorrow at 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Okay, bye. This has been Elijah Fire. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can check out the Elijah Fire podcast on ElijahFire.com, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us live every weekday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, and Facebook. Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahFire.com slash give for more info on how you can donate today.